Hello and welcome to Left on Red, the podcast where we take two hours to discuss what we think good and bad is. How you doing, Shane? Sensational, brother. I can't wait for this podcast. So we're talking about the teachings of Seneca today yes. on my side, and you're going to share... Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. The He's the founder of Taoism. And I'm talking about the teachings of Seneca. Yeah, which is on Stoicism. With his, which is on Stoicism, right? Yeah. So we talked about this a while ago when we did the 48 Laws of Power. So it's basically part five of pretending to be intellectuals. Sorry, Spencer. <laughs> this one's not going to be an episode for you. Part one on pretending to be philosophers. Let's yeah. get it. Before we get started, big happy birthday to my pal Jason. Happy birthday, man. All right. The first quote that I had here, which I really like because I think that I can really relate to, is the fool's life. Yeah, I'm calling myself a fool. The fool's life is empty of gratitude and full of fears. Its course lies wholly toward the future. Can you repeat that one more time? Are you serious? For all the viewers. <laughs> the fool's life is empty of gratitude and full of fears. Its course lies wholly toward the future. Okay, so what I think Seneca is talking about there is how the fool just lives for like instant gratification and, and he looks to the future for things that will eventually get better, but then he never lives in the present moment. Yeah. Is that you, you have no, like you have no value for anything that you have because you're just focused on what you could have in the future. Mm -hmm. So you're just undervaluing everything that you have in the moment, which I think up, like up until recently is basically what I've been doing. I've spent so much of like my time and effort trying to afford to buy a house Yeah. that now, now I'm where I thought I would be five years ago. And it's still just as far out of reach as it was years ago. Oh, so it's like, I feel like, you know, I've just lived like the last few years of my life with no gratitude, basing my entire life wholly on the future. Yeah. And it's not there. So now it's like, I'm just like, I'm trying to come back and like teach myself to like, like be gracious for the things I have now. I know what you're talking and about. Live exactly, in the moment. bro. Because before you were living in the scarcity mindset, I don't have this. And it makes yeah. you feel like insecure. You know what I mean? But as soon as you shift your gaze to this wholesome mindset, oh my God, look what I do have. Yeah. It like it makes you feel that gratitude. And that's the one thing that you're missing. So. Yeah. So it's like now it's like you're coming back, like essentially into reality. You're coming back into the reality of the, pres the present instead of just putting so much effort like I was into the future. Mm -hmm. Like I was just like killing my social life just because I was like, oh, well, I'll have it in the future. And like we talked about this in the last episode, too. It's mm -hmm. like I spent so much time focusing on the future that I hit the point now where I realize that when I get there. I'm not going to have what I want when I get there, which are the things yeah. that I, I should be gracious of now. Yeah. One of the things that Lao Tzu teaches is you can kind of have your cake and eat it too by not tying your happiness to those external goals. Yeah. You know? So Yeah. So it's just like you have to pick those things that are actually what you value. Like you kind of mm -hmm. have to pick a goal and you have to get it, but it has to be realistic too. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's not just like some pump and dump type of thing. Yeah. Like for what you were doing before, it's almost like swimming upstream to go and get the food. Meanwhile, yeah. you could just let the water carry you downstream and there's going to be just as much food downstream. Exactly. You know? And so much less effort to get there. Exactly. Like I was just running up the hill, but I was never getting to the top. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm just deciding just to pitch a tent and just, you know, let yeah. things fall down the hill to it's me. It's the best feeling ever. It's so gratifying. It's, it's definitely like a different mindset on life, which which is, is what I'm going towards. As I say, Lao Tzu, so the author, his central figure is a person whose life is in perfect harmony with the way things are. This should be like all you when you when you were a monk for a couple of weeks. Yeah, because then it's like you're not worried about, oh, this thing's not in place and that thing's not in place. You're not worried about having all this control. You're just OK with the things, the way things are. And 
and being happy with that. Like for me, <laughs> recently I've been trying to get into multi-residential housing, like buying properties in different provinces and all that. And it has been like the most stressful thing ever. Yeah. And I've been like making sure everything's in order. I'm, I'm accounting for every contingency and every dollar. And in my, I'm trying to talk to my mom about this and she's just like, I'm running all the numbers buyer and everything. How, why, why it's such a good buying opportunity. And she's just like, Shane, it just sounds like so much more stress in your life. Like you already have everything you want. Right. And yeah. I'm like I almost took a step back and like refocused my lens. It's like, yeah, I guess I'm just creating like more problems for myself. Yeah. It's like you were just making the burden heavier <laughs> yeah, just for by no focusing reason. so far out of your reach. Exactly. Like I already have everything I want. Like I couldn't be happier and I'm just like creating more problems for myself. So I should just kind of like let things go off. The cards don't fall into the place. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like Seneca says that you, uh, that you have to lay aside the burdens of the mind until you do this. No place will satisfy you, which is like, you know, if, if you're just like putting everything under stress to have, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not going to be worth it. Like the mental stress, the physical stress is so, is just not worth it to mm -hmm. what you're actually getting. It kind of has to, you have to actually see the profit into what you're working towards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, if you're putting all of this like mind effort, money, time, whatever into this multi-residential housing all the way across the country, mm -hmm. and then you finally have it and then it's still just stress of managing it, making sure everything's going okay. Then mm -hmm. like, was it really worth it? Did you really gain? And in stressing out like, mm -hmm. man, like what if things do go wrong? I'm losing, losing sleep over it. I'm losing yeah. like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right? Yeah. It's like I thought about that too, like, cause housing prices here were terrible. So I was like, what if I just mm -hmm. bought a rental property? out like somewhere else in the country mm -hmm. and just rented it out. I said, call this like, I have the money to do it. Yeah. But do I really want to deal with the stress of being like a homeowner? Responsible for that. Nowhere near the home. Cause I feel like yeah. as like, if you're like, if you, if you're like one of those renters that trash, that trash the place you live in, first off, you're scum of the earth. <laughs> Second <laughs> off, you'd be way more inclined to, to do so. If you knew that your landlord was 4,000 kilometers away. Exactly. You know, it's like, like there's basically no fear mm -hmm. because that, that person's not going to knock at your door and kick you out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like that guy's hours away. That guy's a flight away. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's why I never got into it because I realized I was like, the stress would not be worth the monetary gain. Exactly. Cause the thing is like at the end of the day, you're getting all this money from that mm -hmm. so you can live a stress-free life. Yeah. But you're going through hell and back to try to get there. Meanwhile, like Lao Tzu says, like if you just go with the flow, man, like you're already there, realize what you have, you know? Right now, it doesn't take a lot to survive. No. You know what I mean? Like if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're already in like the top one percentile of like people in the world in terms of what you have because like there's still billions of people that don't have access to technology or money or like good jobs or anything like that right yeah so like in terms of quality of life life if you're listening to this podcast right now you're already in like the one percentile you yeah know what yeah I mean? yeah you're already like living life better than a large exactly portion of the and world. you don't have to try very hard to live life like to a suitable means you know but everyone has like this goal of like i want like so much more than I actually need yeah, that they put themselves realistic. in so much stress that they're not there yet. And that's like that scarcity mindset that we were just talking about. Yeah. It's like they like they go over budget on their mortgage to buy a house that's super big because it's what mm -hmm. they want. And then they try to impress the, people yeah. they don't even like with yeah. money they don't even have. Right. And then they just, you know, <laughs> then they just, try, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. <laughs> what is that from? I don't know. I could probably name the movie if you showed me the scene, but, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is like, they're putting all of this effort, like, you know, to buy this big house and then they're just struggling to pay for it. It's like, did you really win? 
Mm-hmm. It's like you're just house broke now, like good luck. Or yeah. they buy that really expensive car because they want it. I know. And then they just, you know, like they don't drive it because they're too scared to crash it because yeah. they had to cheap out on insurance on it. And then they're just on like a hamster wheel, you know, they're just running around going like working ungodly amount of hours for people they don't even like in a job that makes them miserable just to afford something to impress people they don't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so like, it's like, it's a lot of like, uh, I feel like I'm learning this a lot more in my twenties is that it's way more beneficial to look after yourself than what other people see of you. Mm-hmm. You know, like in, like in high school, everyone cared about what other people thought of them, but it's like, mm-hmm. now it's like coming out of that. I just like, it was way more beneficial to focus on yourself mm-hmm. and as selfish as that sounds you're the one that matters to you the most. Yeah. So like you, you deserve to have that, that like kind of like a narcissistic tendency mm-hmm. to yourself because if you don't look after yourself, there's not necessarily someone that's going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like th- there's been times where like I'd be almost like going into relationships with people that were like really pretty and like good looking and have everything going for them because like on the outside, that's what looked good. Like yeah. I'm with this person and they compliment me well from the outsets. Meanwhile, I'm just miserable. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd rather be with someone who doesn't like, isn't as attractive or doesn't have all the money or fame or anything like that, but is just a genuinely happy person has like a good outlook on life. And I just love being around. Yeah. You know like everybody I mean? knows that guy that was like dating a supermodel and hated every minute of it. Yeah. Like why it would you like, put oh, yourself through yeah, that? Yeah. They're like, oh, you know, like she's so hot. She's such a bitch. It's like, man, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also have like 10 guys hitting on her a day, man. Good luck keeping up with that. I know, bro. Like just like, <laughs> just like honestly, just knock your standards down like one or two on the scale. And yeah. like, you'll honestly just be happier. So much happier. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like one of those graphs, you know, like, like the hot crazy scale. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, yeah. You gotta kind of pick like right under the top of the tree eh? yeah so give me another so give me another one well when it comes to like being in relationships and family life be completely present when you are content to be completely yourself everybody will respect you so when you're yeah con- yeah yeah when your consciousness is in line with how you act and you're not putting on a mask in front of different people you just are who you are at all times i just feel like that's such a burden off your shoulders I don't know, but it's hard. It's hard to come off of that because like I've said before, like everyone has a different personality with the different groups of friends they interact mm-hmm. with. You know, like you're a different person at home with your family than you are out with your friends or oh, with guaranteed. me. Yeah. Or like, or like with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something. Right. Yeah. It's all these different mindsets, but like the more time that you spend with all of these people collectively, the more you kind of like fit this monotone line of who you actually are. Mm-hmm. You know, like in like the first stage of the relationship, you're like, you're, you're, you're essentially, you're not the person who you're going to be six months from then. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For better it, or worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's for, I would say it's, it's for worse in like tendencies and treatment, but it's for better because it's who is, it's who you actually are. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the first couple months, like you're going out of your way to impress this person, you're yeah. taking their out on dates, you're doing everything you can for them. Right. But it's like, can you keep up the charade? Who knows? Yeah, or are you it, gonna it, conform? Just, it just comes off because it's like at the end of the day, it's not who you are. Yeah, and it's not realistic to do a lot of those things all the time. Exactly, but some people just like hold on to that because like that's their instant gratitude, right? Mm. So it's like when you lose that, all of a sudden they're like they're out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one I think one of the things that Seneca said too is that like most people do not die contemptibly. What do you mean? Like they do they they do not die happy. Mm. Because they think about all the things that they could have had if they'd done it differently. <sighs> yeah. I feel like that for me, like Seneca and Lao Tzu talk a lot about mortality. That would be like the scariest thing for me, period, is if like I die and like some higher power shows me like Shane, 
this is what you could have been. Like, this is your like potential of what, who you could have been and all the people you could have helped and all the things you could have done. But this is you now. Yeah. I would feel so shitty if it was like such a, a division, right? But if it were to be, this is what you could have been and this is who you were and it's the same person, then I would just feel like completely at ease. Yeah, to feel like you lived your best life. Exactly. Like one of the quotes here is, no man can have a peaceful life who thinks too much about lengthening it. So if you spend the whole time trying to get more time out of your life, trying to get more out of your life, mm. you're never actually going to get there. You're never mm. going to get this preconceived notion of the life that you wanted to live. Yeah, <laughs> that almost, uh, I just can't think, I can't stop thinking about becoming like plant-based because my sister's like, Becoming oh. plant-based? No, I'll tell you what I mean by that. So my, my sister's like, but your arteries and your, your heart, um, heart disease goes down like 30%. And then she's telling me all the stats, right? But I'm just like, I'm not living life if I can't go out with the boys to like a bomb Filipino restaurant and order some food that I want to eat that everyone's eating. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like going down just to have like, like, like a nice, like steak and cheese sub or like a Philly cheese steak. Uh, it's not, it's, if, it's, it's not going to be the thing that kills you in 40 years. Exactly. Doing if, it 10 times a day. That that's going to be the thing that kills you. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a risk and a, a risk and reward factor. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of have to draw a line to where, to where you're benefiting your life for the future to where you're actually chaining yourself down for the future. Like if you mm -hmm. just like, if your sister convinced you, okay, vegan for the rest of your life and you didn't mm -hmm. like it, mm -hmm. but you knew that it was better for you in mm -hmm. the long run, you know, 40 years from now, when you live five years longer because your body was healthy, was it really worth it for being miserable for 45 years? Yeah, it's hard to tell, man. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. It's, it's just like hitting that point. Exactly. Like one of my old bosses, he had he had a five pass done once, so he had super high cholesterol. And he had a five on his pass heart. Done. Yeah. Oh my god. So so it was all like, and he, you know, it was like double bypass, triple bypass. Mm -hmm. He had the five pass. Oh my god. I'm not saying bypass. I'm saying five like number five. <laughs> so it was like all of the major arteries were that clogged up because he had such a bad diet through his whole life. Whoa. And he said while he was in there in the recovery room, that there were there was people way younger than him. All who were like athletes, people who like had these conditions, and he's like talking to them. And he's like, they're like, oh, well, you know, like I've been, I've been vegan only, or I only, I only drink fluids. And he's like, yeah, well, I did what I wanted, and I actually enjoyed my life. Oh shit! And his doctor put him on a diet for all the things that he you know hated, right? And yeah. he was already like, he was already old, right? He's 65, 70, so he's like, mm. he's he was on the diet for like a couple of weeks, and then he moved off of it. And I was mm. like, oh, like. Oh, I thought you were on the diet. And he's like, no. I was like, well, how long were you on it? He's like, well, the rest of my life. But why would I live it in, in sorrow because of the things yeah, I want to eat? You know, if literally. I'm going to die because of what I want to eat, I might as well do it because I like it. Exactly. You know, he's like, you know, if you've already had a five pass done, switching your diet by that, like that late <laughs> in the game, isn't going to buy you that much time exactly. to just, to justify living it in, in like in a depression of what you eat. Yeah. I guess my question then would then be, do you think it's possible? to still live your life, like extending it as much as possible, but as happy as you could be. Because for me, when I do good things and I go for runs, when I eat healthy food, I do them because they make me feel good. Not just because they're good for me. Like I have that good, you know how you can feel guilty and like the opposite of that. It's like pleasure when, when you do something good that like reinforces it and I feel double as good. Yeah, yeah, like if you're doing something that you enjoy, that's also good for you. It's like a double win. Yeah, exactly. And, and when it comes to food, your taste buds definitely um, adapt. 
So like even like the most bitter kale you can imagine still tastes pretty good. Yeah, like a lot of people say if you stop eating, like if you just like cut like all the sweets out of your life for a month, you'll mm-hmm. realize like how how like how sweet things really are. Yeah, exactly. Like how, how fruits and vegetables fruit, are sweet. Like banana, bro, that's like a candy for me, bro. Cause like I, I doled my taste buds down. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta do that. I should try, I should really try that just to see. Do I also want to try those, those um, pills that dissolve in your tongue that change your taste buds. I've never heard of that. They change your taste buds. They make, you know, like basically make things that are like sour, taste sweet. Things that are bitter, taste sweet. Things that are sweet, taste bitter. What? So like people are eating onions thinking they taste like, 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 like they taste like candy. Like they taste like caramel. That is crazy. So it's like all these weird things that I want to try. <laughs> but uh, I think in terms of like lengthening your life. Yeah. I feel like the drop off is when your body has reached like its fast track degradation point. Mm-hmm. Like realistically, like humans are not meant to live past like I would say like 80. Like 70, 80. Once like mobility is, is like the biggest problem in your life, like you're realistically not meant to live longer than that. Yeah, but who decides what living means? Because what if living in 10 years is just VR? You know what I mean? And you could be 120 years old and you could still be living it up in do you, VR. Do you think that, do you think that like in the future, like 60 years from now, the world is basically going to be like, it's going to be like the Oasis from Ready, Ready Player, Player One? One? Yeah, yeah, bro. I yeah. honestly wouldn't be surprised. It's like, like a crazy panic, crazy pandemic hits. It's just like 10 times worse or something like that. It's like, okay, if you leave your house, you're dead. But it's you like, think it's so far, like you think it's so far away in the future, but then you remember like in the early 1900s, they thought like 1800s and 1900s. Yeah. Do you know how far away they thought flight, like flight was, like yeah. planes? Yeah. They thought they were thousands of years away. Yeah. And it was like 40 years <laughs> a plane. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I definitely think foresight's like a really distinct tool that separates us from every other animal is the ability to predict the future. But I think we're still god awful at it. <laughs> like yeah. in terms of like one, two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can definitely predict what's going to happen. But like, 30 plus years, your guess is as good as mine. Have you ever heard of the cognitive trade-off hypothesis? Enlighten me. So it is about monkeys and us. And it was like, it was basically the turning point in our evolution as to why we, why we are the, why the way that we are now. Mm. So the cognitive trade-off hypothesis talks about how our brains adapted to actually remember past, like anxious things, like past basically things that we accomplished or things that failed to actually plan for the future. You know, so, oh, I just watched Buddy get mauled by a tiger. So next time I should probably run. So it's kind of this evolution of, of the flight or the fight or flight of what to do in situations using past scenarios. Mm. So it's basically like how to learn off of your mistakes. But primates and like our closest ancestors, ancestors at the time got stuck with basically being able to analyze everything a lot better in the moment. Mm. You know, we put all this passive energy into capturing moments and forming them into long-term memories to remember Mm. how to, you know, remember your past mistakes and what worked to move on for the future, right? It's basically why we can, you know, consume knowledge and learn and become better, right? But monkeys and other primates have been stuck with just learning what's in front of them. So they show this by... They put a screen in front of you and it's just a black screen and then it flashes numbers one through nine all in random places on the screen. And then they go away and they just turn into blank squares and you have to you have to hit one through nine in order. Yeah. You can't do it because it just flashes it for half a second and then you have to press one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in order. Random mm-hmm. spots of the screen. You can't do it. You can get up to like four. 
but the monkey can do it with ease. Really? Yeah. They, they, they literally just need to see it for half a second. And then they just instantly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's crazy just to watch them point out of random spots in the screen when you're trying to beat a monkey and you can't do it. That's crazy. And it's like, it's, it's how easy for them to do it. Like some of the smarter monkeys can do it so many times in a row, like with literally like zero failure rates. What? But then it's like, you try to beat them and you, you just can't. That's crazy. Cause I thought that our brains were more developed. Like our prefrontal cortexes were bigger for those planning moves. Mm-hmm. But I think our brains aren't better. I think they're just different. Yeah. You know, it's like their brains are specified in some tasks and ours are specified in others, which I think the one that we're specified in is obviously future planning. But the other kind of what you were saying is imitation. Yeah. Yeah. So if I see someone do something like on YouTube or something like that once or twice, like I'm going to be able to do basically whatever they're doing mm-hmm. if it's an easy task, you know, yeah. and I watch it five times and I can master whatever hard tasks they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like once we know how to imitate somebody like man that's like someone's entire life that's like packed into knowledge on the subject that you can learn in a couple hours yeah like i think the human mind evolved to be essentially just like the most malleable mind mm-hmm. adapting yeah. about everything yeah because it's, it's just like we're one of like the most quickest adapting people out there mm-hmm. purely because of technology not necessarily because of our own evolutionary traits like when it comes to like if you just plopped the human as it is today 2000 years ago we'd probably <laughs> die pretty quickly <laughs> so why did it survive because oh, like think think about this so there's a whole like stone age bronze age, bronze age industrial age right yeah well all of the people that initialize those they're not alive right now so if you take the general population right now you stick it 2000 years ago what are, what are they gonna do what's the wi-fi password right yeah. what are the like the scientists can't do anything because there's there's nothing for them to learn because they have no technology you, you can't yeah. make anything because there's no industrialization to make anything they're like mm. there's no guns people can't like people aren't gonna know how to hunt with like you know people yeah. don't really know how to whittle out spears and yeah. like we basically enter the like the beginning ages again you know yeah it, it's almost like we've become like highly highly specialized in our knowledge mm-hmm. where Back then, I feel like we had specialized knowledge too, but it was just in like raw survival. Yeah. Where but, now it's like how to become famous on TikTok. Like right? it's, <laughs> we both have specialized knowledge, but that's a beautiful thing about the human brain is it's whatever situation you put it in, it will adapt. Yeah. But in terms of a species, we become the only one that's like primarily dominant. I should say like entirely dominant on the things we make rather than the things we can do. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking about like physical, um, like tests and all that we're gonna lose versus most other animals yeah it's like say i put you on north sentinel island like mm-hmm. the only island with the un- most uncontacted tribe ever first <laughs> of all they're, they're gonna kill you because they're, <laughs> they're just they're just a tribe that don't know anything right but if you were just put on an island right yeah you wouldn't survive yeah because like you you know all these things but you've never actually done them yeah like you, you like you know in theory how to make fire but could you actually do it out in the field yeah like you know how to cook food but could you actually kill an animal and skin it properly and do Dude, it out in the field? Probably not. Do you know how to how to how to purify water? Yeah. Essentially, you, you know how it works, but you, could you do it? You know what? This actually loops right back in to Taoism and how Lao Tzu describes the act of doing not doing. Yeah. Or non-action. So that's like when an athlete performs so good that you can't separate the athlete from the sport or a dancer is doing a dance and you can't even separate the dancer from the dance. So 
when you're so good at something, when you enter like that flow state, when you're just so used to doing it and you become that action, that's like the essence of Taoism. Yeah. Where you don't separate yourself from nature. You realize you are nature. You are the one doing this thing. I am famous on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) This is me. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what I'm saying, right? It's like you're one with nature versus you're separating yourself from nature. You're trying to conquer it. Yeah. And that's kind of the mastery of any skill. What do you think if if humans didn't exist, who do you think would be at the top of the chain? Mm. Do you think it would be like I don't think basically it would be, a band of monkeys or gorillas? I don't think it would be any um, species nearly as prevalent of, as us. It is interesting how we climbed to the top and stayed there. Yep. Like how, how we essentially evolved. Like, we're like mm-hmm. it's weird to think of where that point was in mutation. Yeah. Lao Tzu says, if you want to destroy something, you first must let it flourish. That does make sense. So it's like maybe we're getting so, bi- so big that we're eventually just going to crash. You know what I mean? Yeah, that goes in with all the, uh, the theories about life out there. Give me an example. So they say, like, that's why there's no... That's why there we haven't like found any extra extraterrestrial life or there's not like a bunch of other planets with life because the amount of time that it takes for a civilization to get to this point there is usually there's always like a catastrophe event on the planet yeah. so they never make it. So by the time that we're hitting like I think they put it in five stages and most planets by the time they could be, you know, untouched long enough and support life to get up to stage 3 which is essentially I think like around where we are there's a catastrophe event like a meteor or a solar flare that just ruins it. Mm. So then the other question is like, well, how come we made it so far? Yeah. And what will take us out? Cause some, I think the biggest thing right now is we think that we're too big to fail. You yeah. know, when corporations get so big, like Enron or whatever, it's like, we're just so big. Like we just can't fail. Yeah. Oh, well, like we don't have to worry about climate change. Like we're smart. Someone will, some scientists will just take care of it. Yeah. But well, it's like, like when a bunch of hedge funds get get outsmarted by Reddit and now they're upset <laughs> about it because it's somebody because somebody else is manipulating the market. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that is the biggest the like I know. it's so I only thought like the, the kind of the bullshit on there was like how they tried to pause or they did pause uh like the Robinhood app for trading yeah, GME. The, the, it's already like Merlin Capital paid Robinhood forty percent of its revenue to do that. What? So it's it's already out there that they did that not because it was a volatile stock, but because it was insider market manipulation. That's ridiculous. And they're being investigated, but now it's like all these other companies are performing what's called ladder attacks on the stocks that they're driving the prices down, and the SEC is just doing nothing because they're probably wow. getting their fucking pockets lined too. Oh, guaranteed they are. It's like, can you believe like like it's it's one of the most frustrating things about being essentially a working class individual mm-hmm. is how suppressed, like how, how much suppression mm-hmm. the higher class holds on us just because of money. Yeah. But you can see that it's like when, like essentially when 3 million Reddit users on wall street bets bind together and they make hedge funds, the most, some of the most powerful people in the world lose billions of dollars. <laughs> How about like how hard they fight back just because it's the people that made the money instead. I love it though. It's a redistribution of wealth. It's the best thing ever. Well, it's like, it's only to those, you know, people who hold. Yeah. And diamond hands, you know. But the thing is the market bounced back, which I'm pretty happy about too. So at the end of the day, like. But tell tell me that. So how come, how come like before coronavirus started, the Dow was at like 27,000 
And then in the midst of it, it dropped as low as 17,000. And now it's back up. We're still in lockdown and the Dow is hitting records. How how is like the economy so shunted by a virus, but we're, our Dow is hitting records. Um, I shouldn't say our Dow. We don't really, that's the American industrial Um, average. Whatever I say is my opinion. Uh, Don't take my word for this as financial advice. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say that what I think it is, and this could be completely wrong, but based on what I know, I think that it is a lot to do with inflation. And the more the government keeps printing and printing and printing money, the less the currency is going to be worth. Yeah. And the less it's going to be worth, the more ownership is going to be worth. That's why things like trading cards, gold, Bitcoin, stocks, all these items or commodities have gone up in value because the thing that they're tied to just keeps being printed so it's worth less. Does that make sense? Sort of, but if, if, yeah, I guess if that was the case, like things are worth more, but the dollar, like it still has essentially the same buying power. Yeah. You know, like when they move, like when they talk about moving minimum wage up is you didn't necessarily accomplish anything because everybody makes more money, but then everything is just more expensive to make up for things that like. Exactly. Like on paper, the stocks went up, but how much more buying power does that actually give you? How much is that actually worth in the market compared to your CPI? Yeah. It's like comparatively the buying power is the same. Yeah. You know, like when, when the Canadian um, minimum wage went up to eleven twenty five to $14, mm-hmm. everything just got more expensive. Yeah, like, yeah. like groceries got more expensive, food got more expensive. Yeah. Everything just got more expensive. Exactly. So it's like, did you really gain anything? Yeah, did but anything the, really change? Yeah, but the biggest <laughs> problem is that is that you had all the minimum wage workers make more money, but the people that were making more than minimum wage didn't get, didn't get raises. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you... Didn't help out the economy yeah. or the people. I understand that that uh, in some aspects, minimum wage workers deserve more money. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's minimum knowledge, minimum money. So mm-hmm. if you want an entry-level job, that's why you're getting minimum wage. Because yeah. you're doing a job that anyone can be trained to do. Exactly. So it's like, if you want more money, go to school or teach yourself something that's, that's mm-hmm. worth being paid more. Don't just cry to the government to give you more money because because you can't push yourself to be better. Yeah. And there's a formula to it too. Like this kind of blew my mind when I heard about it. When you think about how much you should get paid, think about how long it would take like a regular college grad to learn this. Yeah. So if it's something that's highly specific, like engineering Teslas, you know what I mean? Yeah. Highly specific. It would probably take an engineer like five plus years. Yeah, especially since it's new technology too. Exactly. Like, like the whole aspect of Tesla's is relatively new to the world. So when you're talking about someone who deserves to be paid six figures plus, it's because they devoted five years of their life to one specialized thing. Yeah. But when you're saying, oh man, like I'm digging ditches, like I should be paying, get paid six figures. I'm working way harder. But it's like, yeah, but anyone can do that. There's no demand for something yeah. like that, like there is for designing Teslas. You know yeah, I mean? and dig, digging ditches and isn't making a company millions of dollars a year. Exactly. Like it's a digging a ditch is digging a ditch. But at the same time, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, I spent 30 minutes, you know, submitting my online resume to McDonald's. That doesn't mean you deserve $14 an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like there's there's another guy that that's lined up that's okay with doing it for less exactly so that's what the sense is but also one of my fears was when they kept talking about moving minimum wage up when they're like oh it needs to be 15 it needs to be 17 it needs to be 20 which (laughs) nowadays because the housing market is so is so like saturated i guess yeah is that there really is no 
there's no truth in a minimum wage because minimum wage is supposed to be the, the smallest amount of money that you can live off of. You can't really live off of minimum wage anymore because everything else about living is so expensive. Yeah. It just offset it for a little bit until everything adjusted. Yeah. But the other thing I'm worried about is how expensive does average wages have to be before automation is cheaper? Mm. Did I you, think in a lot of sectors it already is. What did you notice the first thing that happened within months of the minimum wage being increased? Was? Oh, is that when a lot of like the self-serve terminals came out? Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's when, all, that's when the self-service uh, terminals turned up in McDonald's. That's when more of them were opened up in grocery stores. It's because it's cheaper. It's that we're starting to hit that ceiling where automation is cheaper mm. than it is to pay somebody $15 an hour to be a cashier. Exactly. Holy... That's scary for the jobs in the future, especially. Um, but I also think it's good for society because so? if, if those if those mind numbing, like essentially worthless jobs are not are now now packed by machines, then you as a person are more inclined to do something that can actually benefit the world in a greater aspect. Mm. You have a higher chance of changing the world, like like, you know, being an engineer at Tesla you know, working towards like a greener future. It forces us to think bigger. Yeah. That's the main thing, right? Like how big are you really thinking if you're just taking orders all day at a customer service desk, you yeah. know, instead if you were studying something like, I don't know, cancer research or you're studying like environmental. Yeah. Like issues. where's your impact at reality? If you're yeah. just helping people stuff their faces with calories. Exactly. Like a, a robot could do that. Exactly. So it's like, let the robots do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, do something that you can actually have a positive mm -hmm. impact. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's also oh more God. gratifying. Here's an idea. Um, hey, Trudeau, if you're listening to this, <laughs> take my word. They should almost have a knowledge economy where you don't just get paid for sitting at home, like for Serb and just doing nothing and watching Netflix. You should get paid for what you learn. So think about it. Do you want a highly educated country? Yeah. You want people that know things. So then there's businesses that get created that lead the world. Yeah. Change things disrupt technology as it stands so instead of just paying someone to sit there okay you do all these courses online and then we'll give you ten thousand twenty thousand dollars yeah yeah so it's like it's basically the government assigned you courses to learn things like essentially higher schooling yeah and they said yeah you can have your serb when you finish the courses so it's like every two you know say every two weeks they put out new courses for you to learn mm -hmm. and there's tests attached at the end of them you finish yeah. these tests you can then literally you assign a thousand dollars if you pass this test and you can even have bonuses if you get a hundred percent you know what i mean yeah that would be w in terms of like a government aspect it would be way more worth it in the long run to than just giving someone money for sitting there yeah because now like you're you're basically creating this gap in society of people who just want to sit there and get paid and be at home. And now when the, exactly. when like when the economy opens back up and the virus is finally fucking forgot about yeah. is that you just have this slump of people who don't want to do anything because exactly. you taught them just to sit there and, and get paid. And they're depressed. They have no motivation. The thing is when you're learning something and you're getting a reward at the end of it, like a paycheck at the end of learning something, yeah, you feel good about yourself, man. Yeah, you're I did Pavlov, this. You're, you're Pavloving people into doing that though is that when they learn, they get paid. Yeah. So it's like you're teaching people that if they like if they actually pursue to heighten their knowledge and their yeah. impact on reality, then they'll it's worth their while. Yeah. And, and obviously there's going to be people that try to cheat the system and have people do tests for them and all that. Like, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be those people in society. Yeah. But, but just, just having day, that small percentage of people doing it isn't yeah, worth it. Like, if you have it, 90 it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't of the people counterbalance it. Learning that. Yeah, exactly. 
it, it won't counterbalance it at all. It'll be a net positive for society. Yeah, like even even if like you know how like uh, college courses, university courses, when when you do online tests, they lock you out. So like you can't open other tabs, you can't mm-hmm. open the internet and Google stuff. Bro, even they even lock if, me out even, of my phone. Really? Yeah. yeah. But even if even if they gave you a test and you were free to use Google and figure it out. Is yeah. there really a negative that you still figured it out? Yeah. As long as it's not like testbank.com and you're just copying the answers. Right. But yeah. still, you, you figured it out. You, like, even though like you answered a question, mm-hmm. even if you cheated to find that, you still know that that's the answer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're still using problem solving. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, it's still, it's still a gain, a gain of knowledge mm-hmm. than just me sitting in my bed and getting $2,000 a month. Exactly. It makes you do something for it. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, right? Because when you're sitting there and getting paid for doing nothing, it's like, bro, like what, what is life? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean? It's just, but it also puts, it gives you this false sense of reality too. Yeah. Like the worst part when, like when I got laid off last year for, for like the month or so mm-hmm. going back to work just made me hate work yeah. so much more because I was used to just not doing anything. It's not like I like work anymore now, but <laughs> yeah. at least I'm used to it. Yeah. At least I'm used to yeah. it. You got out of the flow. It's almost like um, like what Lao Tzu is, says about doing, not doing. It's almost like you're lost in work to the point where you don't mind it, you know? Yeah. Where it's like you're you're there, the hours fly by because you're used to doing exactly what you're doing. It is just mindless at this point. Exactly. So so in, in your terms, because you've read more of this than I have, what would Lao Tzu tell me? Because I, I want to like, I want, I want to move on in life. I want like mm-hmm. my next job. So I yeah. actually have, you know, I was complaining about my knees. Yeah. I have basically what's arthritis in my knees. I'm fucking 22. That's crazy. And I have essentially arthritis in my knees. That's crazy. And you don't heal it, right? But I've basically just been forewarned that this is why I have pain in my knees is because I have essentially the early stages of arthritis. I still have a lot of cartilage and it's healthy, yeah. but it's damaged. It's just not damaged enough to get it fixed. So I'm just, you know, at the top of the downslope, right? I'm at the top of the slide, essentially, mm-hmm. is what he said. Yeah. And the only thing he really recommended to me is he said, at this point, you know, you're too young and whatnot for a surgical option. I recommend just knee braces and a job transplant. So in my, like, in my terms, I'm trying to think of, like, what I want to do. So at what point should I sacrifice what I like to what I should do? So obviously, You have to give up control. If you're asking me what Lao Tzu would say... It would be do whatever makes sense. And if it doesn't seem like the right thing at the moment, but it's what you have to do, then so be it. Yeah. So it's like, so I'm kind of tied in between what's realistic and what I want to do. So you know how we talked about like, you know, how cool it would be if we had like our own talk show. Mm -hmm. That's obviously what I want to do. But is it realistic? Mm No. Not at this moment. Not at this moment. So it's like, do I wait until it's a realistic tendency? Do I work towards making it? Do I work towards making my prime goal realistic? Or do I just move on into essentially another lateral move into something that's just say better for my knees, but not necessarily what I want to do? Where do I draw that line of, do I switch to something that's better for my body, but not necessarily for my mind? Or do I put Mm -hmm. all of my effort into putting what I want into a realistic reach? Yeah, you're not going to like this answer. But you have to let go of what you think you want and just do what feels comfortable to you. Yeah. And I'm not saying sit on your couch and watch Netflix because it's quote unquote comfortable. Yeah. But I'm saying if you think that you need a house immediately, you're drawn out. Because I have not, dropped that. I have dropped that. I, I no longer desire a house so badly. Yeah. And once you dr- dr- drop that, you say, okay, well, I don't need to be making 
X amount of money, maybe I can work less or work a different job. Yeah. And I can focus more of my efforts on what I want to do. Yeah. So, so like my, my mindset over the last couple of months, it'll be easier if I explain how, like how I'm branching out. So when my knees started to get painful, I was like, okay, like I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm already, I'm already sick of fixing cars. Right. So I was like, what if, what if I switch to, uh, like my grandfather was a firefighter. I was like, what if I did that? Then I could actually have like, I could actually tie myself to something that is. Okay. So like my train of thought over the past couple of months was like, all right, like my knees hurt. I don't really feel like doing this anymore. Like I'm sick of fixing cars. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, like my grandpa, my grandfather was a firefighter. What if I did that? I could really use that like moral obligation of that. I'm doing something like I'm potentially saving lives. Right. Like I have that. I'd have that gratitude of doing something that has a positive outlook on humanity. Right. Yep. Like I would actually make a difference. That's like, that's like what I want to do is I want to, I want to be part of something that's bigger than myself and that would be doing mm -hmm. it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, now I'm hitting the point where would that be any better for my body? I was about to say it would, it would in one way, because you've been saying you want to go more to the gym. There's physical requirements you have to meet. You probably would yeah. pass most of them, but you would definitely need to go to the gym to show like, hey, I'm definitely a candidate for this. You know yeah. I mean? Speaking of being a firefighter and saving people's lives, that's a good thing, right? Yes. So in Taoism, Lao Tzu talks about what is good and evil. He says, for example, the clearer our insight into good and evil, the more we can embody the good. I see. So my question to you is, how do you get a clearer insight into what is good and evil? Like, how do I personally decide what is good and what is evil? Yeah. I think it kind of depends on, like, the outcome of what I'm doing. You know, is what I'm doing have a positive outcome on somebody or something? Is, does it have, like, a net gain? Is it worth doing? Yeah. Or does it have, like, a more negative effect? Yeah. You know, like, if I just, like, punch you in the face, it's a negative effect. Exactly. But if I was like, yo, man, good job on the podcast today, that's a positive effect. You know, like, like... A lot yeah. of people seem to put it into this gray area, but it's it's mm -hmm. really simple to pick what's good and what's evil. Yeah. See, see, it's hard because Taoism, they want you to know what's good and evil, but they also don't want you to focus on the outcomes. Because they almost say like life is too big to worry about the little things that you can or can't control. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like if all these things are happening around you and you're saying, oh man, I wish this happened. You know what I mean? And you're focusing on that then you're just going to be like upset about it. What yeah, was that one quote be, that you were saying? Is that the greatest amount of suffering comes from fearing the future and regretting the past. Yeah. So if you live your life on what the future could hold, you're not living your life in the present and mm. you're always fearing your past mistakes or regretting your past mistakes instead of like taking them into account to try to like use it to live your best life is to basically learn from your mistakes yeah. and not fear the future because you don't know what it can hold because at the end of the day, you can't control what's going to happen 10 years from now, exactly. but you can live every moment in between now and then. Exactly. And it's like any time that you spend thinking of what could happen in the future, what happened in the past is taking you away from the present. Yeah. It's taking you away from like your current self. Yeah. Is that you're spending too much time thinking about who you could be and who you were and you're not focusing on who you are. Exactly. Instead of just letting things happen and just being present in the moment, being all you can be. Yeah, you have to be inspiring to yourself. Like the power to inspire fear has caused many men to be in fear. The power to inspire fear has caused many men to be in fear. People are afraid to the like people are afraid of those who have power above them. Mm. You know, they they kind of hold like a like they're 
it's like they're conceded towards them just because they have power and they don't, but they're not focusing on themselves. They're not thinking, how could they get to that point? Yeah. They're just upset that somebody else is in that position rather than them. I, I see what you see. When you said that, the only thing I thought of there was when you're in this hunt for power, you're taking on all these risks and you're taking in fear. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's like to gain power for me is to get like a bunch of property, right? Yeah. To get this power, to own all this property. But I'm putting myself through fear like every night, like, oh man, like what if this deal goes sour and all that? Like I'm inspiring fear myself in the hopes that one day I'll get power. Yeah. You know what I mean? What do you think about good intentions that lead to bad results? Good intentions that lead to bad results. I feel like that's just another case of trying to predict the future. Oh, if I do this, if I say Shane did a really good job on the podcast, then that's, you know, all good intentions. But meanwhile, my head, like, I'm just like, man, I really did an awful job today. And now Steven's just lying to me, you know? And then I go down this big, like, rabbit hole of like, oh, shit, like, what is my life? You know what I mean? So it's like every path, um, the half, was it like the path to hell is paved with good intentions or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like, if you were trying to sell somebody a house and they were thinking the entire time like oh this is the right house for them like they're really <laughs> gonna like this house and then you know like three months later you like get back in touch with them you're like hey just wanted to check in how are things and they're like we hate it here <laughs> oh like i hate God. the neighbors they're like the sink's already broken and stuff like that you yeah. know it's like you had good intentions but it just didn't work out yeah. and it's like you know a lot of people would hold that to themselves they're like oh but i you know i thought i was right i thought this everything was right and it ended up being wrong and they kind of see that Mm-hmm. They see that as they failed, but they did everything right. Yeah. So that the next time they're going to try to do things differently. But yeah. at the end of the day, like like you did everything in your power and what, what you believed was right. It just ended up being wrong. That's just exactly. that's just a fact of life. Exactly. And the best thing you can do in that scenario is just learn from it. Oh, maybe I, I didn't check the neighbor's order. I didn't check this and that. You know what I mean? It's like you do have to marginally adjust for your errors. You can't just go through life blindly thinking like, oh, I did my best. I did my best and not learn anything. Yeah, like a good conscience welcomes a crowd but a bad conscience even in solitude is disturbed and troubled like you have to have a positive outlook mm-hmm. on your actions and on your life mm-hmm. or you're just gonna have like this negative connotation in everything you do yeah like if you mess up two sales for houses you're gonna think that like you're gonna have like this back set mind that you're a bad mm-hmm. salesman and it's gonna it's gonna hinder your future sales mm-hmm. but you kind of just have to you have to not regret the past and just move on look at it from a growth mindset it's actually a funny example of that so if you buy a house and you take the biggest l on it you renovate it you sell it you flip it and you lose like 25 grand yeah you could actually use that loss against the future gain so that money isn't lost at all but if you say oh i I took a big l real estate's just not for me then you're really taking the l yeah. Meanwhile, you could have just made one good sale in the future and had those proceeds, those failing proceeds go towards that so you don't pay as much tax. It's yeah. like every every like mess up has a silver lining. Yeah. There's a lot of like a lot of people will take like they'll take an L and they'll just give up. Yeah. They, they just don't want to try again. But I think it's like it's definitely worth like trying again and seeing yeah. the failures. That's your makings. biggest opportunity to gain is right? knowledge. Right. It's like a lot of people think that if they start out and they're not good at it, then they don't want to try it anymore. Or if they mm. fail the first time, they don't want to try anymore. If Or if they do great the first time, they think that they can also never fail. Yeah. So it's kind of like you you have to moderate yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to move forward even if you even if you win or lose. Exactly. I think the most successful people hate failure, but they're not afraid of it. Yeah. Like, like, like think of Elon Musk, for example, how many companies he started up and how many of them are actually finished. Exactly. Like 
barely anything, but he's learned from all these mistakes and mm. all of these trial and errors that like he knows what he wants to do and he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how many like he, how many tens of companies that he's just starting up, like the boring company and the flamethrower that you know yeah, just yeah. pop up for a couple months, yeah. and then they just fall off the earth. Well, it's like it's something that he tried. He either made money off of it or he didn't. And but he learned not, from it, and he learned from it, and he's not taking it against himself. You know, like if he if he made the not a flamethrower and it tanked, he wouldn't just be like, oh, you know what. I'm pulling out a Tesla. Like, that's stupid. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, that'd exactly. Make, that'd make no sense. But, you know, what does he do? Mm-hmm. Digs a hole under Los Angeles just to get to work instead. That's funny. Just to just to try. Exactly. That's so cool. He has such a crazy mindset of just, like, not giving up and not being afraid to fail. Because even in our 20s, like we are right now, we have the biggest opportunity to gain because we have so little to lose. Exactly. <laughs> like, I've never articulated the words in that way before, but it makes so much sense. It's like, you're 20, man. Even if you, like, lose everything and go bankrupt, you have, like, 60 years to build back up again. And, yeah. like, the amount of gains you can make in one year is, like, substantial, right? Yeah, you just kind of got to turn on the hustle, you know? Like, yeah. I think of that in terms of, like, an, an investment opportunity because, like, I have such a large disposable income. Mm-hmm. I could afford to make an investment and lose. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I lose five thousand dollars, like pff, that sucks. Yeah, but like, it didn't. It didn't lose me my house. I don't have a house to lose. Like I don't have yeah. car payments to lose. You know, like I'm not in a position to lose financially. So I can kind of use that as like a as like backup to kind of like take that risk in mm-hmm. an investment, whether it works out or not. Yeah, I think the best thing you can do in your position right now would be to invest not only your money but your time into learning something deeply. Like yeah. if you learned how to make money by like, for example, I'm seeing the easiest one that comes ahead by investing in commercial properties or something like that. Yeah. And you just went deep and for like a month or two months straight every day, you're just reading and learning and taking like podcasts and listening to all the information you can. And then that knowledge plus the savings you had turns into the best opportunity to gain. Yeah. So, so you kind of have to like put yourself in that isolated learning experience just to mm-hmm. actually like embody what you what you want to gain out of it. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it doesn't even have to be crazy. Like you don't have to be learning for eight hours a day every day or anything like that. I, I prefer that because I'm just like I get super obsessed with things and I, I get right into it. I get my ankles deep in it. I used to be like that. If there was ever something that I wanted to learn about, I would just invest myself in it. But it was yeah. always like small things. It'd be like historical points in time or like small things about mm-hmm. like the world. Like Chernobyl, Chernobyl, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I just like dive into it for like four. <laughs> days and, and then it's next, next thing you know i know everything about it yeah and it's like but i've never gotten into that like into that groove with say like real estate or mm-hmm. investing or stock market like i, I think that's just, that just finding the fire it. in your belly when you come across it you'll yeah. know yeah it's a lot easier to, to just learn something but it's a lot harder to take what you've learned and apply it to something mm-hmm. you know like if i just spent like like before i got into investing with uh, stocks like the first time i did it a couple of years ago it's like i spent all this time investing or like all this time like learning about it how to do it the ins and outs insider trading essentially trying to figure out and then like doing like trial runs like doing mock like playing with fake money essentially yeah and then like I was doing great. I thought I knew all this and I started investing and I lose. I was like, oh, well. Yeah, but then you gave up. I gave up, but then I tried again. You know, oh, you did? Yeah, a month ago I started an investment portfolio with my friend and, mm-hmm. and we're, we put some money together and we started like a portfolio to move up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the red again, but you know, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not letting it hold me back. Right? Yeah, you know, so it's just sometimes it's a good thing because I was talking to my financial planner and he was saying like, the worst thing that can happen to you is winning on your first eight stocks. 
Yeah. And I'm like, why is that? Like, th- wouldn't that be the best thing ever? It's like early gains. He goes, no, because then you get cocky and you start putting, you start gambling. Yeah. With all your money into one stock that you just heard on Wall Street bets. <laughs> yeah. In that case, if, if I took my advice, I probably would be ahead quite a bit right now, <laughs> GME. But, um, <laughs> What do you mean? GME has been trash for the last couple of days. I mean, I bought in at BlackBerry at 30 and now it's at uh, 17. Oh, <laughs> so, but, but the reason I picked BlackBerry was because, OK, like think of it realistically. GameStop and, and AMC do not need to exist in 10 years. Like they're not going to be there. Like, What's AMC? Is that BlackBerry? They're, they're basically the, the American version of Cineplex, to my understanding. Oh, so they're, they're movie theaters. OK, so. To me, they don't need to exist right now because of the whole virus and everything's closed. Like they don't need to exist, especially with GameStop. Like everything everything that GameStop sells can be bought online. Yeah, literally. All in like USBs, all in like online stores like Steam. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that that's that's easier them. and faster. Yeah, they've been on the way out. It's it's literally like Blockbuster. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, yeah. like they're on the way out to me. And AMC, because the whole virus hit, like I think I, I don't think theaters will bounce back anytime soon. Yeah. So I don't think they will exist. But Blackberry, there's there's going to be there's just an ever-increasing demand for cybersecurity software yeah and that's what blackberry mainly produces uh-huh. so it's like they're a company that's still going to exist so it's like i didn't like i didn't just watch my portfolio go go like mega red and go oh well i lost yeah yeah no now i'm just in it for the long run man yeah exactly i just got those diamond hands now i'm just gonna hold yeah exactly it's like you know you only lose when you sell right that's right i'm gonna let the portfolio stay but oh well mm-hmm the stock, the stock that I pulled out of to invest in it went down too. So like I would have lost either way. So at the yeah. end of the day, eh, oh well. It's exactly. It's like who has the balls to hold on the longest until it finally comes up like a phoenix. Like holy shit, this guy held on for ten years. Now he's making four hundred percent or something. It's yeah, like, that, that's geez. basically Reddit and Wall Street right now. Is they're just staring at each other. Just who, who's gonna sell first? Honestly, I think Reddit's <laughs> losing. Unfortunately, because I'm on that team, right? Yeah. A lot of people are just panic selling because you know. It's the same thing out of all the population that's just invested for essentially just because Reddit told you to. Yeah, yeah. They have, it's not that they have anything to lose, but it's like, it's majority of the people that did it couldn't afford to necessarily lose it just like yeah. that. Like a hedge fund can't afford to lose a billion dollars. I don't give a shit about what a hedge fund loses. Yeah. But when the general population invests a few thousand each into a stock just because Reddit said, to the moon. Yeah. And then they all lose. The general population <laughs> all loses a thousand dollars. And you know, that that's gonna hold a, a much bigger negative on the like on it's the society on the at people. large. Yeah. yeah it's because people are losing their mortgages and their homes and all that. It's right. Like, it's, but when a hedge fund does it, it doesn't it doesn't affect anybody. Yeah. You know? Someone that's lost lost a percent today, it's like, oh like, well, whatever. We're just gonna short a stock tomorrow and make it back anyway. Yeah, exactly. But you're right, it's like GameSoft's like the perfect stock to short. Because it's not going to exist. It's going to go out. There's no precedent against it either. Because like 140% of that of GameStop shares were shorted. That's not supposed to be possible. 140%. It's all these questions. Like everything that's going on with those stocks is like, is this is this illegal? Is this is this illegal? Uh, like nobody knows. And they're trying to say that what what Wall Street bets is doing is illegal. They're trying to say that it's market manipulation, but it's literally just exactly what the hedge funds do. Yeah. yeah. Just the opposite. <laughs> They're just fighting them back. So it's like, it's like, I just love the memes. It's like, it's like the people crying. They're like, did somebody else manipulate the market? You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, man, like they're just upset that the people won instead of them. Yeah, exactly. But it sucks now that they're do- they're pulling out all these stops. They're pulling out all these attacks on it. It's just to drive the price down. That's stupid. It's like that. That's the part that should be illegal. And the SEC is just like watching it because yeah. they're getting their pockets lined, dude. Exactly. It's funny because right now Wall Street probably has 
like guys just staring at Reddit all day. Like, what's the next one that's going to pop? You know what I, I mean? I saw, I saw this video of it was like this guy that worked in worked in like a hedge fund company for Wall Street. And it's mm. just like like one of those like secret videos being re- recorded in the office, like with all the cubicles and all the phones. And there's like like the head honcho walking around and the guy's just livid, screaming, throwing stuff around, Jeez. just swearing. And he hear, you can hear one word like clearly and it's Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, and everyone's like, <laughs> we did it, boys, we got them. It's just like pictures, of, like pictures of like uh, it, like hedge funds, and it's the Call of Duty memes, like mission failed, we'll get them next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's good. Everything needs a, a bit of disruption now and then. But it's like it's it's a swap of power. It mm-hmm. Is it's like it shows it shows society that like they have power together mm-hmm. which is something like they like they don't really they don't realize it until they do it mm-hmm. you know like like wall street vets barely had any people now that now it's like eight million Jeez. like when the GameStop thing started they had like 2.8 yeah and i think last time i checked they had 8.6 million cheese like, so it's like everyone's just going up if you want to shrink something you must first let it expand if you want to get rid of something you must first allow it to flourish if you want to take something you must allow it to be given so it's like by Wall Street bets Reddit expanding so much. Do you think that it's going to go away or gets gonna, someone's going to get rid of it somehow? Like that's kind of what they want at the SEC or, or at um, all the hedge funds and all that. You know they basically I mean? want them to sell the stocks back. Yeah. <laughs> like like they're, the only option that they're giving them is to sell it back to, to drive the price back down because that, that's how the hedge funds make money is they, they want the price to be low, not high. Yeah. Because they borrowed the share. Yeah, but everyone's getting cold feet. Yeah. Well, because they're they're putting all they're pulling out all these attacks on it to drive the price down. So mm-hmm. the general population that bought in the stock is getting scared because you know they bought it at three hundred and fifty and now it's sixty six dollars right now. Jeez. So it's like, ah, oh, what do you know? What do I do? And like, you go on the Reddit and it's like, you know, for those retards that bought at four hundred, we're coming back for you. Just hold. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> but they're just waiting. But I think unfortunately the problem is like with all these things that happen like seemingly every month, all these like major global events that happen every month. Yeah, is that they only fear. last they only last a month. Yeah, yeah. So like 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 do you remember when there was gonna be the whole raid on Area 51? Yeah. Did that ever happen? Yeah. But you know, like how many people showed up? How many? Like like the Facebook group had like millions of members and there was like I think like less than a hundred people that showed. Are you serious? Yeah. I, can, I think because everyone had, like, an idea that they were going to get shot if they showed up. No, it's just because at the end of the day, like, it's just not going to stick for that long. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they made so many members so quickly. But the problem is, like, it blew up in, like, June. And it didn't happen until September. Yeah. So it's, like, already, it, like, lost its heat. So, I like, I think that a month from now, the mm-hmm. whole GameStop thing, is it's going to be over. Yeah. It's going to be over. Yeah. I feel like that's with everything, though. Like, the faster it grows the faster it falls apart too. So if you're thinking about starting like a habit in your life, like, oh man, I'm going to start like working out every day. And the first day you just go as hard as possible. And the next yeah. day you just go as hard as possible. And it's like, how long can you really do that for? Yeah. But instead, if you were to lift, like do a five pushups a day and lift like a 20 pound dumbbell, like 10 times with each arm, it's like, you're going to feel fine. Like you could do that all day, every day for the rest of your life. Like no problem. Right. And that's the point. Cause you want to do it all day, every day for the rest of your life. Right. You don't want to gas yourself by like the 10th day. You're just like exhausted and hating your life. It's like, no, I'm looking back because I'm doing this because I'm an athlete. You know, it's like now I'm, I'm getting into that rhythm. Yeah, but if you just take steroids day one and then yeah. just like like just go super pump, then the next day 
You're yeah. just going to be like, nah, I don't need to work out. And then you're just going to lose it. Exactly, right? You're just going to fall off. Like you have to, you always have to focus on the build. Mm-hmm. You can't just stop day one or yeah. go full on day one, 100%. I, that's the same with everything too. Like even with learning, like what we were saying before, how we get like super invested into something. Yeah. And then like a couple of months later, you just don't use any, you don't use that knowledge for anything, right? Yeah. But instead, if you were to learn for like half an hour a day, like for me, I just watch like one or two chess videos a day. So like half an hour to an hour, just learn a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Each time. Instead of just binging for like 16 hours a day and then like yeah. after a week, it's like, okay, I literally hate chess. I can't even look at it anymore. It's like, <laughs> I've kept it up for, for like two months now because I just put a small dose in. Yeah, because like, it's not like oversaturated in your mind. Yeah, like, exactly. You're not, you're not like done with it. You know, like I, I like I studied Chernobyl for four days and it's like, okay, I'm done. done. <laughs> I now know I just, everything. <laughs> yeah, now I just live the rest of my life just waiting for somebody to mention April of 1986. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you about April of 1986. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, do you. Oh, don't even get me started. But it's like, uh, it, but it's also hard to, form. it's, it's like I told you before, the hardest part of a habit is forming a habit. Yeah. Because it's so easy just to stop because mm-hmm. you just started. But it's like once you become invested, then it's kind of like a, it's, you always have a reason to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the biggest way to continue a habit is by creating your identity around it like making yourself believe you're a pro chess player yeah like i i study chess not because i want 2000 elo or i need 2000 elo by 2021 yeah it's because i like chess and that's what people that like chess do is they study it you know what i mean you just build your identity around it and then everything will fall in place i think one of the hardest things to get around in in like the anatomy and or the psychology of chess is is like every move that you make is open you're planning like eight to 12 moves ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it doesn't matter like what you do. The person that's on the other side of that board sees what you're doing, but yep. they have to see what you see eight to 10 moves yeah. from now. <laughs> I think a big thing is, is like probability. So they've played games so many times that when they see this opening, they know what the next 10 moves are going to be just because that's what everyone does. And that's yeah. technically like on the book, the best moves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when somebody just pulls out Sicilian, everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think it's really interesting. I didn't know this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger plays like thousands of chess games every year. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. I wonder if he's, he must be good, I guess. Yeah. I mean, anyone that plays thousands of games of anything must be good at the game, you know? Yeah. Like the whole, did you watch Queen's Gambit? Yes. I was like, I loved all the memes about it because you had to like know what chess was before you watched that show or it just wasn't interesting. And I see like all the memes about it, who people who had no idea, like, you know, never played chess in their lives. And like, whoa, they made Queen's Gambit into a game. You're like, no, people are messing around. (laughs) That's funny. Then I'm getting like snap. I got like four Snapchats after like two weeks after that show came out of people playing chess. Mm -hmm. And it was from like you, me and Jason. All I got got back into chess just because of that show. It's good though, because like you were saying before, you're planning like 10, 12 moves in advance. That's like a life skill though. It, I don't know if it translates a hundred percent, but I feel like it does. It's easy to think what you're going to do in 10 moves, but mm-hmm. I can't think, you know, if we're playing chess right now, I, I don't know how I'm going to think what you're going to do in four moves. Yeah. But you have to, to know what you're going to do. Yeah. Or like the worst uh, is when Brady was back in, we played like we, we played a bunch of games of chess and there was times where he'd be like, yeah, you're basically done. <laughs> and spencer would be there too watching and he'd be like yeah i don't know how he's gonna get into that how do you know uh, which one's the best move 
right? How right. do I know that's the move that he's thinking and how do I defend against it? Exactly. So it basically just ends up me like on the verge of losing, but I just <laughs> extend it so long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's the key if you're listening to this and you play chess. So many people like get like 15 moves in and then just resign. Like, oh, there's no way I'm winning this. But yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. you drag it on to like 60 moves, bro, that other person's going to mess up just as fast as you and they're going to sacrifice their queen or something like that and be like, oh man, that was the worst thing ever. That's what happened in every in every game against me and Brady is that the loser was the first person who accidentally gave up their queen. And mm. it was never like this. Like there was never a trade. There was never a queen trade. It was literally just like, like I moved to take his bishop and then I, I, I was an idiot and I left my queen open. I'm oh. like, oh, how did I not see that? Yeah, yeah. Or there's games where I lost my queen first and I came back and won because he was an idiot and did it three turns <laughs> later. But it's like, it's like some grandmasters would lose their queen on the fifth turn and resign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I lose my queen on the fifth turn and I think, oh, it's over now. And then Brady does the same thing three turns later <laughs> as he does the same thing. So it's like, yeah. if he just held on. So it's kind of like that. It's like, it's, you're regretting the past so much. Yeah. Man, I miss playing in my skill bracket. I played against like some, some bots and like some people around, around my skill level and it was just boring because someone would make like a, a stupid move. Like, yeah, like they sacrifice your queen on like the move five. I'm like, what am I learning from this? You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like, you know how like the people you hang around like can make you either smarter or dumber. It's like, I feel like I'm just getting dumber playing against like the dumb bots. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, all right, starting now, I'm only playing grandmaster or higher. And the only, so yeah, the only reason I don't like playing against bots is because is that the bot isn't necessarily it's like playing connect four against a bot is that the only way to beat it is to make sure that its last move is the one that's not going to make it win hmm. so it's like the only way to to win against like a hard you know like an expert bot on connect four yeah. is to not even play the game to win but you just need to make sure that the last move is them putting it there so you can stack on top of it and get four yeah so it's like when you're playing chess against an expert bot mm -hmm. the only way to win is to put them into a fork yeah. is to put them into it on either like a sacrifice this or that scenario yeah. they'll never just make a mistake yeah they don't and, blunder yeah they don't just like accidentally move a pawn out that was blocking the, the bishop that's yeah, so yeah. easy for you to take they'll never do that yeah but a human will it doesn't matter how good they are they will do that but that's the reason i want the plan because then at least i know if i was in this situation if i flipped the board this is what you should do yeah so i think it is the fastest way to learn but it's also like the most discouraging because you're losing every single game <laughs> yeah like you make one blunder game over it's not like you have to lose the queen like you move the wrong pawn one like one square game over you I know think, what i mean yeah i think the most discouraging part against playing against a bot too is that they move instantly yeah exactly it's, like, <laughs> man, it's taking me like 10 minutes to think of this move and it's still like so yeah, slow like the moment that you let go of your piece it's already moved across the board mm -hmm. and you're like how did it think of that so fast i, know. <laughs> I wish it was like a timer like at least give me 10 seconds for yeah, you to like yeah, breathe yeah. before you play yeah fuck just even like time enough for you to be like no that's not where i wanted to move it you know just to like see the mistake that you potentially made before they just immediately capitalize on it it makes them look it. so confident you know what i mean I it's know. like they've been thinking of this the whole time I don't, that, that's why i don't play against bots i play <laughs> against people <laughs> exactly you know it's like speed chess i know because like, then i start playing it like bullet like oh they're gonna make moves that fast i can make moves that fast too and then boom there goes the game yeah like sometimes you do sometimes you can do that dude to seem like over you know like overzealous out of yourself at chess like if we mm. played chess and it was like you immediately made like we're like say 10 moves into the game and then every time you move the piece i would immediately move my piece you're mm. gonna start thinking am i way ahead of you or yeah. am i just an idiot yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> you know like if i thought every move out that i already know what it is just to you know click 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 move it's funny there's a chess championship going on right now and it's like 12 minute games which yeah. normally like a regular chess game you can play for like six hours yeah 
so it's 12 minute like speed rounds and you always have one player that's like boom instant moving like one person has like six minutes on the clock the other person has like 14 minutes on the clock because they're being, <laughs> like there's going super fast right and almost without fail the guy who moves super fast always loses yeah if you take a little bit more time and it's like oh he's just reacting out of instinct but if he thought of this then he wouldn't have lost. You know what I mean? Yeah, just take those extra four minutes and win the game. Yeah, so I think that's why I want to play chess is because it makes you think of what you're doing before you actually do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's definitely a good way to see the type of um, competitiveness in another person too. Mm-hmm. Like I prefer to get into somebody's head. Mm-hmm. But, Brady the was same doing, way. but Brady was doing that to me in chess just by make, <laughs> making a move and being like, yeah, you're done in like four turns. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, God, yeah. How, do I, how do I stop this? <laughs> I know. I love that, man. I'm like... um. Oh, who's that one fighter? The uh, the Irish one. Keep on forgetting his name. Conor, Conor McGregor. McGregor. Yeah, bro. It's like, that's me in chess, man. I, I drop like my knight in the middle of their board and it's like, octopus, baby. Let's go. And you just just like, a random yeah, yeah. Chickens in the coop. And they're just like, what does that mean? And then they just get like so frazzled. Like, uh, okay. And then they blunder. It's like, yeah, like the, amount the of best shit, thing ever. The amount of shit talking when one of us would lose our queen. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Like Brady would like leave his queen out and I take it. I'll be like, are you fucking retarded? No, my <laughs> I'm like, why would you do that? Like, how did you not see that my piece was there? Like, are you even playing the same yeah. game as me? And I was, then, like, they just got like, get this mindset that, like, they're stupid and they don't know how to play. Yeah. Man, you know what's the saddest thing is in chess championships, you can't communicate with the other player. Really? You can't, you can't shit talk. Well, like, what, what about just normal conversation? I don't know. Obviously, I've ne- it's probably I've never upon. seen it. Normally, it's just, like, pure silence. Shane's, <laughs> Shane's sitting at the chessboard, makes, like, two moves. Yeah. So you should check out my podcast, Left on Red. And just get us qualified. That would be ridiculous. Even if but it's like, like uh, imagine if you win the game and you just like flip the board. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, you know, like uh, um, how like in Queen's Gambit at the end, like when they, when, when she was facing everyone, yeah. they're like, yeah, like in, you know, at this level, you don't just knock your queen down. Yeah. Or you don't knock your king down, sorry. And then mm-hmm. she does it in one of the games. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if you just like, you know how they put them in checkmate and then they just, that's it? Yeah, they just like, walk what, away. what if you're the guy that actually grabbed the piece and knocked his piece over? <laughs> yeah. That'd be like the ultimate disrespect <laughs> in, the, in that like top, top level of chess. <laughs> you knock their act- piece over? Yeah. So like you, you put, <laughs> flick it over? Yeah, like you put them in checkmate. So say like you move your rook right next to them, you put them in checkmate and yeah. you just knock their piece over. Oh man. That would be like the disrespect of it. That's funny. You know what's funny though is, I watch so many championship games and I don't know if I've ever seen like a checkmate. Normally it's like five moves down the road or six moves down the, mo- down the road and they just know that there's nothing they can do. So they yeah, reside. They, they see it. But I want to see a checkmate where I want to see their face when they're like, they weren't expecting it. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. I saw one move. It was like these two, like these two Twitch, Twitch streamers like load up chess and the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to beat you at chess. And the girl's like, you're saying you're gonna beat me? He's like, well, yeah, obviously, but like, watch this. And he's like, watch, you know, watch this chat. You're not gonna see it coming. Guy loses in two moves. No way. Yeah, dead ass just loses in two moves. Was that critical versus XQC? No. Oh. It was just I don't know their names. It was just yeah. two random people. Yeah. Just yeah. this guy and a girl mo- loses in two moves. She just opens up her queen, yeah. moves it across the board, and all he did was uh, move out the pawns above his uh, above his bishop and above his yeah. I think it's called a scholar's mate because if you yeah. don't know like that, you're gonna get checkmated in two moves. Like all the, it, all the it, was, it wasn't like that that traditional one though. Mm. She like she didn't line it up. He lined it up for her. Oh wow! Like she won on her second move. <laughs> so it's like all she did is she's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna. She, he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna move my pawn into the middle of the board, opens up her queen, and then he like just moves out. So there's just like a perfect diagonal. Oh, for the bishop, and then the king can't move. Yeah. 
Oh, true. Yeah, and it's just like over, and it's like pfft, dead. Yeah, speaking of chess and uh, predicting the future, that's like a lot of order, right? It's yeah. like you expect things to happen this way, you're going to make things happen this way. Yeah. Now, what Lao Tzu teaches in Taoism is focusing more on the yang than the yin. Because, okay, I'll, I'll explain the yin and the yang for you. Okay. So the yin is like the order, the control. I don't trust anyone. This is what I'm going to do and this is going to be the outcome, you know? That yeah. is the control. And then the yang on the other side is the opposite. I'm going to trust whatever happens, happens. I'm going to let the cards fall in place. And then you need like a balance of those to create the yin and the yang, right? Yeah. Now, Taoism really focuses on like just letting things happen and being okay with it. Just laughing and smiling and being fine with it. You know yeah, what I just mean? Just being content with the cards that you're dealt. Exactly. And being happy with what you have. So I think everyone needs a little bit of that in our life because right now society's really focused on like productivity and efficiency and gains and all that. You know what I mean? Like, for example, I'm a big one for um, like New Year's resolution. I know you hate it. I hate resolutions. Yeah, yeah. But for me, I'm like setting goals and all that. It's like, these are all the things I'm going to do. This is, how, this is how I'm going to structure every one of my days and all that. But at the same time, it's like, you almost need what I'm not going to do. Resolutions, you know? It's like, yeah. I'm not going to do anything at one o'clock today. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy myself and I'm just going to live life. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to dance. I'm going to do whatever I want. You know what I mean? I'm going to have fun. Those are resolutions that don't make sense to me. Like I, 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 I prefer resolutions that are to stop doing things that are harmful to you rather than that people are just going to turn their lives around yeah. to start doing things that they should do. Yeah. Like I hate it when they're like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're going to do it for two weeks and you're going to stop. It's almost but like it's, too much momentum. Yeah. Or when, when they're like, I'm going to start eating healthy. No more junk food. Like, no, no, you're not. Yeah. But when they're like, I'm going to go for a run twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. You'll probably do that. And it's that little shift. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're pivoting by like one or 2%. You know what I mean? Like, for example, sp starting this podcast. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to spend like, I don't know, an hour to a week just recording a podcast with the boys. Yeah. That little shift in the how many hours you have in a week, like 168 hours. Sorry. So let's say you spend like two of the, those 168 hours doing a podcast. Very little amount of time yeah. in the whole scheme of things. That little pivot, if you do it every week for six years, nine years, bro. Imagine what difference that would make in your life, in yeah. people's lives that listen to this. It's also real. It's also like a realistic goal. Like if I started January mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm going full entertainment. I'm buying like I'm buying a studio. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A podcast. Like, <laughs> like, that's not gonna work. It doesn't just work yeah. like that. But it's like, oh, I drop a grand yeah. and I buy this podcast equipment. I'm like, yo, Shane, let's be a podcast. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. We'll just record once a week. You know, it's simple. It's doable. Everyone can do it. Everyone can work mm -hmm. around doing it. Like it's easy mm -hmm. to do. It's fun to do. Exactly. But if I just like all of a sudden went like full zero to a hundred, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't work. Exactly. It's too fast. Yeah. Like if I just texted, I was like, yo, I know you're going to be a realtor, but like, I need you to quit and be my co-host. Yeah. You'd be like, no. <laughs> but I, I was know. like, yo, one hour a week, record a podcast. It's, it's doable. It's so doable. Yeah. yeah. And time is on our side when it comes to those gains. Yeah. However small and incremental they be huge over time yeah but that's also such like that's the connotation that everyone has is that nobody wants to make improvements slow yeah they want to make they want to make money fast they want to get they want to get strong fast they want to get healthy mm -hmm. fast they want to you know like well, that's just the society that we live in you know everyone loves that instant gratification you know? exactly but the problem is that when they don't get it they don't want to do it so it's mm. like oh it's going to take a while to do it then they don't want it because it's not instant gratification yeah but it's also they don't realize how much more wholesome it is to to get the gratification after a long work. yeah and and that's the best thing i was took the words out of my mouth i was gonna say 
it is the process of doing it that's fulfilling, not just the end goal. Yeah. You like know, if we just did a coin flip and I was like, oh, heads and it's heads. Instant gratification. That's great. But it doesn't feel as good yeah. is that if we did 100 coin flips a week. Yeah. yeah, And yeah. whoever had the most at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Got something out of it. Exactly. That, that's like, that's like a whole thing out of it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Heads or tails. <laughs> <laughs> Starting now. Let's well, do it. Start now. Every podcast will do a coin flip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well. Thank you very much for listening. That's all the time we have for today. Ooh, let's add in a new keyword chain. We've been pretty lacking on it. Yeah. What about Tao? Tao? T-A-O. Blessed by our article. <laughs> <laughs> How should, what should that outro statement be? Thanks for listening. <laughs>